Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 163. This will be the second to last episode of Gunfighter Cast, and we'll put it away, and this podcast will be known as the Mag Life Podcast. You'll see a graphics change. You'll see some other things, same old podcast that you love, just under a little different brand, and you'll find it at gunmagwarehouse.com forward slash blog under podcast. Anytime you want to listen to it on the web. I'm here with Varg Freeborn. Varg, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Daniel? Not doing bad at all. I'm a little sore. You got me all working out like crazy. I'm getting some size on. Like some of my shirts are getting a little small already. Just one weekend. Yeah, yeah. That's how it happens when you do it right. Man, that's pretty crazy. I was reading about newbie gains, so I must be getting some newbie gains. Yeah, and the more optimized your program is, the better the programming is, the better those newbie gains are. I like newbie gains. I'll take it however I can get it, man. Anyway, we got a, a good uh, topic today that I get asked quite a bit about in classes, like, hey, people are just generally curious. I, I think it's kind of weird. I've never even considered asking anybody else what it is. Like, what are you keeping that thing? And they're talking about my range bag. What is in my range bag? I think my range bag as a person who is a trainer may be different than the person just going out to the range to shoot. I see some less than adequate range bags out there. So not our normal, I don't want to use the word highbrow. I don't think we're highbrow. It's a Kind of a, a topic that in a, a genre that we don't hit a whole lot, but I, I think it's uh, important stuff because there are some key things that you need to have in your range bag in order to be prepared for a training class or just a good session out there at the range. What range bag do you use, Varg, like the bag itself? I have a couple of bags. So one of my range bags is a tool bag. It's literally a tool bag like you would get at the hardware store and that does not surprise me at all that you use a tool bag. Yeah, here. and guess what it has in it? It has range tools, staple guns and staples and things of that nature. So the glue, staples, staple guns, you know, all the type of things I would use to fix targets and things like that are kept in a tool bag. The range bag I use is actually the 511 messenger bag. I'm not sure what the official name of it is, but uh, it was a gift from OTOA one year, and I know you got one too, I'm sure, but... That's what I use for my main personal range bag. And then I have a, another bag, which is a very large type duffel. And that's where I would carry any kit that would have to do with armor or helmets or anything like that, that I have that would go for like shoot house or CQB classes. So I have multiple range bags. Yeah. When I'm doing something big where I need, you know, body armor, helmet, a lot of things like that. I have this big bag from Rev Gear that is just a huge kit bag and it's on wheels and it's, it's awesome. So I can get everything in there. It's got some compartments in there. But my typical everyday range bag, what I've been using for many years now, and I just saw when I was looking up the name of it today, is like only 70 some dollars and they've came down in price. But I use the 511 Range Ready 43 liter. It's got just great compartments. I don't use every compartment in it the way they're designed, but I've always found it to be a very good range bag. And it's taken a beating over the years, and it's held together and hasn't fell apart. So I've been really impressed with it for a long time. I think it's like 79 bucks now at 5.11. We'll definitely put a, a link in there. It's one of the most common range bags that I see out there that you probably do too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's in the kit. I guess we'll just do this. I've got a whole list of things that I have in my range bag, and I've got some things that I would like to add to my range bag that I've seen other people have in their range bag, students in classes and things like that. I need to, to beef up mine a little bit. One of those that I always have on the range with me, and I'm sure you do too, Varg, is a, a trauma kit. Absolutely. At, and sometimes a, a few of them. 
Yes. A trauma kit, more than one, one on my gear, one on my body, one on my body armor, one on my belt, and one in my bag that comes out and stays near us wherever we're doing you know, training at that time. So I usually always have two on me, depending at least one on me, maybe two, depending on if we're on body armor or not, and then one right nearby. A lot of students usually have trauma kits too, but it's always good to have one right there, easily accessible. So anytime I'm on the range, I have a trauma kit. I mean, if I'm in my car, I have a trauma kit. If I'm at home, we have like three of them placed in three different locations at our house. So I do like our trauma kits in the, the Shaw family. Definitely have one at the range. And this is a legit trauma kit, not like Band-Aids and boo-boo, minor boo-boo stuff, like a legit bleeding control trauma kit that has all the things that you would need to address a gunshot wound, or at least to begin addressing a gunshot wound. If you're going to the range and you don't have a trauma kit and at least one or two tourniquets, I'm not so sure that you're prepared to be on the range properly. No, I totally agree. Not that we go to the range and get hurt so much, just the fact that what you're doing, what you're using, and maybe other people around, it just makes perfect sense to have a trauma kit. Especially if you're going out here and you're running some $500 to $1,200 handgun, and you didn't spend, you know, 65 bucks on a good trauma kit or hundred bucks on one, depending on what you need, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. It's one of my worst nightmares is why we have so many. And we spend so much time training in my family is my worst nightmare is like watching a loved one bleed to death. It's 2020. People should not be bleeding to death anymore. We have so many tools and so many resources to deal with that. There's no reason for it to be happening. Yeah, agree. It's not that hard to get the training either, and you don't need to attend a super high-speed class. There's a lot of very capable people that are either combat medics, former combat medics, or working, so you know, TAC med or anything like that that can address uh, the average person's needs for being able to use a trauma kit in a likely scenario. Absolutely. The skills to use a trauma kit, all the tools in there, and to control bleeding, it's not rocket surgery. In the slightest, the American College of Surgeons in the Hartford Consensus says the most likely people to save lives in a mass casualty event, bombing, terrorist attack, mass shooting, whatever, are the on-scene responders, the people who are right there, the normal people that are in the area, and them fumbling their way through using medical kits if they've done at least a basic stop-the-bleed course at some point. This is not the very incredibly difficult things to do. You take a class, you learn how to do it, you know, keep, up, you keep your skills up and practice it. Think about it, consider it, plan for it, and you should be able to fumble your way through saving a life. Absolutely. Next thing, you got to have some ammo, whatever you're shooting. I've recently started using the bang boxes from G-Code, and I really dig them because I have all my 9mm in one spot. I have my 5.56, five, I got 300 blackout and somewhere else, and they get the little Velcro patches that, that tell you what caliber's in there, and it keeps them all together real nice, and then picking them out, the rounds out of there, I just kind of prep the bang boxes before going to the range, so I'm not dealing with a lot of trash from boxes from uh, ammo boxes, whether it's, you know, handgun or rifle. I kind of dig those. I mean, there's a thousand different ways to carry ammo, little drawstring pouches that they come with like some range bags and things like that. A lot of, a lot of good options out there for that. The bang boxes are a little pricey. They're a solid little piece of gear for the range bag. And I like it. They fit perfect in the 511 center pouch there in the different areas. And it puts the weight right in the center. So it makes it easier to carry. So I kind of like them. Varg, you, you drop them in a backpack, you, like individual rounds, keep them in your mouth. <laughs> carry them any way I can let's fill my pockets up stuff like that right yeah no I, the 511 bags usually have quite a bit of accessory room there's lots of different compartments and 
pockets and zip up pockets and just different places where you can really organize stuff. And I don't mind the bags at all. I like them, especially when they're free. So that's pretty cool. But the point of getting everything you need into one bag to have a bag that's kind of designed for it is really the basic key component. Like if it's just a backpack or something like that, and you end up with this jumbled mess of stuff that's like all down on the bottom and everything's mixed up. Having a bag that's designed for carrying this type of equipment is probably the best step for selecting a bag. And then having places for your guns and your ammo and your mags and your med kits and, you know, the accessory stuff like timers and, you know, everything you need for running a class or running drills on a range or anything like that. Having places for all that stuff is just makes it easy, makes it efficient. And then you're not wasting time digging stuff out and your gear's not getting all banged up and ruined by smashing into each other in the bottom of a bag somewhere. Yeah. And you're not mixing like 380 and nine millimeter and five five six three in a blackout keep them all compartmentalized definitely definitely safer in a lot of ways too uh another thing that i keep around is you know a lot of extra magazines so i don't have to go fill magazines especially if i'm teaching people are going to ask questions while they're filling magazines we're going to have talks and i i sometimes get involved in those and i don't get my magazines filled so now i'm standing here talking down range getting ready to do my next thing while i'm stuffing a magazine so i try to keep as many magazines filled as possible and if i'm training for myself if i'm in a class I am not very picky of what magazines that I use. This is uh, the Gun Mag Warehouse podcast, so you got to talk about magazines for a second. If I'm shooting a Glock, for example, you know, if I'm clearing for duty or self-defense, I'm using Glock factory mags. But if I'm going to the range, I have no problem with running some KCI, some ETS, even some SGM tactical, some pro mag, some magazines that we know are not the highest in quality of magazines. They're not the most reliable magazines. And I think that does something extra for me in a training environment when I am getting failures at some level for some reason due to the magazine. And it's not that they're failing all the time, but there's some magazines that just work better than others. And encountering a problem with your gun that you did not create, that you don't know is coming, is definitely a training opportunity. Using some less quality magazines out there, or less reliable magazines out there that are great for range. And if you lose them or break them, you're out of like seven bucks instead of, you know, 30 or 40. I keep a lot of different magazines in my, my range bag just for that. And I end up handing them off to other people who need some extra magazines. Somebody shows up to class with only two and like, yeah, you really need to be running four out there so we don't have to take as many breaks. I'll hand them one of these less expensive magazines. And if it walks off by accident because they wouldn't steal it on purpose. I'm not out of much, you know, so it's, uh, I, I like having some, some lower quality mags in there and using those things in, in my training. Do you ever use any, uh, less reliable mags in training, Mark? Uh, sometimes, sometimes. And it's specifically for that purpose. So if I feel like taking a chance on having some malfunctions and things like that, and the training environment for that day is well suited for that. If I'm in a role where I'm going to be demonstrating things that I don't need to have malfunctions happening, or it would be less advantageous to have malfunctions happening, then I'll use the quality mags. But if I'm working in my own skills or demonstrating things where the possibility of having a malfunction would be a teachable moment, then I will use less optimal mags. And I do have some laying around. And sometimes it's just not even the brand, but it's a mag that's been around for 500 years and it's got a million rounds through it and it's just beat to hell. So that kind of mag, you never know when that one's going to give up and just quit pushing the rounds up. So those are good to keep around too. I'm pretty bad about walking off distances. And I, well, I would say bad. I'm pretty accurate with it, actually. I still remember my pace count from back in the day for 100 yards for land navigation, all that good stuff. But I keep a range finder. 
And I'm kind of in between rangefinders right now, which I need to add a new rangefinder in. I was using for a long time a Vortex Impact, under 200 bucks. Great little rangefinder, accurate out to about 1,000 yards. Uh, I had good success with that. I also keep two sets of Eye and Ear Pro because somebody always forgets their Eye and Ear Pro or something breaks. Somebody's eyes break, somebody's ears break, something. I keep a couple sets of those. And, you know, obviously if, if I'm putting together like a class for a lot of really new people and it's a very basic level class or something like that, I might bring a lot more sets of that because I, I expect people to not understand how things work at the range and maybe not bring their own. But typically I have uh, at least two sets of eyes and two sets of ears in there. Sometimes it's mine that break. And obviously some, uh, some batteries for those ear protection too as a backup. Sunscreen, bug protection, chapstick, man, two days, three days out in the sun on the range. Got to have that chapstick, man, like me, myself. Or like it, you're miserable, uh, especially when you go eat some chicken wings after class with everybody and your lips are on fire. Got to have it. Rough. A lot of classes and a lot of ranges, depending on where you're at, sometimes they'll require you to have a hat with a brim on it. So I usually stick one of those in there and stuff it in between some kind of little layers in there so it's out of the way and uh, just have some kind of hat in there if I don't bring one myself. And just keep the sun off of you. Keep getting sunburned, getting skin cancer, all that good stuff to go along with your sunscreen and any bug repellent you might have. One thing I'm also really bad about is uh, if it's summertime, I'm probably not bringing rain gear. I'll just stand out there and get wet because you're going to get wet anyway. When it's cold, man, having something to keep the bad weather off of you, having some some good clothing for bad weather, especially if it's miserable and cold out there because you've seen it 20 times, Varg, especially teaching up in Ohio. I've seen it. People shut down when they get incredibly uncomfortable because of the weather. So if you paid a lot of money to go to a class and you gave up two whole days to go to the class, you have to be as comfortable as possible as far you can't be just over here shivering and miserable or your retention and your ability to apply what you're learning is going to be decreased dramatically. Yep. So, uh, you know, have some, some backup gear in there for, for clothing. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd say you need to be comfortable or incredibly tough, one of the two. That's right. I always keep gloves. I end up not wearing gloves a lot for handgun or rifle, but uh, I got some, I, I like minimalist gloves, really, really thin, high dexterity gloves myself. The thing about high dexterity gloves is when you go buy some high dexterity gloves from somewhere, don't be disappointed and all upset when, for some reason, you get a hole in your gloves or your gloves just tore up. That's what comes with the game when you're going with these high dexterity minimalist gloves. They do not last forever. You want some really thick gloves that last forever? There's some good options out there for that. Maybe not forever, but they'll last a while. I also, if I don't have a friend around who's always got them, I like to have a little bit thicker glove out there maybe with some insulation in it for removing suppressor from the gun while the gun's still hot. That way, sometimes some suppressors get locked on pretty good. So having something to to deal with a really hot gun or hot suppressor or somebody else's suppressor in the class, they can't get it off. And you pull out the big welding glove or the oven mitt and you, you can get the job done. Carry a multi-tool with me pretty much everywhere, all day, every day. Myself, I end up uh, using that multi-tool a lot. Definitely have a multi-tool in my bag. What I typically use is a Leatherman Mutt and a, uh, a Skeletool. You got a, you got a multi-tool that you of choice for you, Lord? You know... I never graduated to the multi-tool. I still carry a toolbox. Yeah, haven't got that far yet. <laughs> yeah. So you're not, I'm more of a minimalist, man. Like as little as possible, as little weight as I can possibly carry and as small amount of things as I can carry. Yeah. Sometimes I probably need a toolbox. Yeah. When it comes to tools, I just can't, 
I can't leave them behind. Like I just, I'm like, well, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this. And just let me bring the whole box. Yeah. But you know what? Speaking of tools though, I don't know if you've seen these, but have you seen the, the fix it sticks? Um, I don't think so. In one of our videos that we did at shot show this past year, Paul Carlson picked these little torque wrenches specifically for installing like optics and mounts and very small little packs, the way they package these things and everything. And they, these are pretty slick little torque wrenches. I started looking at all their products there and fix it sticks, fix it sticks has a, uh, a very wide range of really awesome tools. And, and some of them aren't too badly priced pretty much anything that you could run into. It's basically small little minimalist toolkits that are designed for working on guns. And the way they package these things and the little carriers for them and, and everything, it's pretty impressive how small they are and how well they work. I had somebody in my most recent class up in Kansas a couple of weeks ago helping somebody out with a gun, pulled out one of the fix-it sticks that I had seen in pictures online, but I hadn't seen it in person. And I was like, well, what a slick little toolkit, man. Like, this is awesome. That's something that, that I'm going to add to to mine. I'm going to get a, because I, I need some tools for working on guns and having something that I can lug around very easy and still work on stuff in my house, but also take to the range. Those those little fix-it sticks are pretty pretty awesome. And I, I dig them. Check those out. Yeah, I'm going to check them out. They sound pretty interesting, man. I like it. I keep a little cleaning kit. I guess like the second generation Otis Rifleman cleaning kit that has all the tools and things you need to clean a nine millimeter handgun and a five, five, six rifle. It's got that. And it, it pretty much takes care of all of my, my cleaning needs that I might need. I typically don't have to do a lot of cleaning out of the range. I just squirt some lube in the gun, but you know, sometimes I, I do clean my guns contrary to popular belief out there. There'll be some people out there who know I, I don't clean my guns a whole lot, but I do lube them, keep them, keep them wet, keep them lube. What kind of cleaning kit do you use? You probably got a big monster like tackle box, huh? Uh, no, I I used to, I used to, to not not too long ago either. But I also have the Otis, so pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's a good little kit. It really is. Definitely a cleaning rag, something that because I mean, man, you get some lube in a rag. There's not a whole lot you can't clean real quick with a rag. You can get a lot done with just a rag and a, and a finger, a rag and a cleaning rod, flashlight. It's going to get dark on you at some point, uh, and you're going to be picking up brass or doing something, and it's just a good idea to always have a flashlight on you anyway and having one in your range bag. Why not? Maybe I don't put my really expensive Surefire handheld in there, but uh, you know, have some kind of other cheap light in there that, that's reliable enough for a range bag. Like you said earlier, staples and, and stapler gun, all that good stuff. Keep some duct tape. One thing that I see all the time, and I'm sure you do too, especially when we're running rifles, Somebody will wear, wear a plate carrier or a chest rig or something, or they'll have some little danglies off their jacket. A lot of times students need some tape on their gear or something starts getting in the way of a holster when a gun's going back in a holster, some strap, some something. When I grew up in the, in the Marine Corps, it's like any kind of strap was always getting folded and taped. You never have anything just dangling anywhere. That is a rule. Everything is silenced. Everything is taped. There's, there's duct tape all over your gear kind of kept that, you know, going forward is I often have duct tape all over me in, in some manner. I'll, I'll give some duct tape to some students to, to tape something up so it doesn't create an unsafe situation. Absolutely. And I think that duct tape is probably the best thing you can have in your bag anyway for any type of thing. It needs fastened quickly on the fly. Uh, you know, it, I can remember once that I had uh, one of my bags of strap broke. It's like probably 150, 200 yard hike to get it back to the car and just carrying it 
with all the other gear I had, not being able to sling it would have been a whole other trip. Being able to just duct tape it together real quick, sling it, get it back to the car. Even something like that was uh, super useful. Duct tape. I mean, if, if you don't know by now how awesome duct tape is, like this podcast isn't going to help you. Duct tape is amazing. <laughs> it's awesome. I, shot timer. I use a shot timer some in classes. I use a shot timer for myself more so more than I do in classes just to kind of to see where my skills are at and to see how they're increasing or getting worse. Just to put a good measure on on what I'm doing. I am a believer in in shot timers. I don't use them a whole lot in classes. There's only a few things that I use shot timers for depending on what I'm doing. But it, for, for me personally, I get a lot of use out of a shot timer for personal growth and recording. How about you? You you a shot timer guy or one of those anti-shot timer guys? Oh, no, I use a shot timer. I, I tell people also, too, to not make a religion out of it. It's, it's a useful tool, but it's not everything that defines everything about fighting. So it has its time and its place and you use it a lot, but it only measures one component of what it takes to fight with a firearm. So keep it in perspective. Now, if you're doing competition shooting, things like that, that's going to be a much higher percentage of usage for you. But for me, I keep it in perspective and it is used a lot, but it is used for specific purposes, for specific components of that training. Many years ago, I think it was 2010, 2011, I was um, stationed in Okinawa, Japan, doing my podcast and the Gun Dudes, which is another podcast, friends of mine, awesome cats. I think they just started a new show up again a few months ago. They live in Salt Lake City area, and they were hosting Masada Ayub for a Mac 40 class. And they raised money to buy me a plane ticket to fly me to Utah to hang out with them for a week. And I stayed with one of them. They fed me and everything, like all expenses paid, to come take this Mac 40 class with them and hang out. And then I flew me back to to Okinawa. And all their listeners like pitched in to get me over there and do that. And it was absolutely awesome. So I took leave to go to this class. And one of the other students in the class, I had recently talked about needing a shot timer and was looking at them and I hadn't jumped on one yet. You know, money was tight. Money's still tight. It's always going to be, I guess. But uh, there was a student in the class. He leaned back and he was sitting in front of me and he handed me, I still remember him and his face and the, the box it was in and everything. And he handed me this shot timer and I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, that's for you. And I'm like, no way. He gave me a shot timer. I still use that shot timer to this day. And I apologize. I can't remember who it was who gave it to me right now, but I think about it all the time. And it was one of the nicest things ever. The whole event was awesome. I still use that exact same shot timer. It's still working for 10 years and absolutely awesome. Thanks, whoever that was. If you're still listening to Gunfighter Cast out there, I really appreciate you. That was awesome. So here's a fun conversation. What's your lube of choice? Uh, pretty much it's Slip 2000. Yeah, I like Slip 2000. It's good stuff. Uh, what can with the Otis, the regular CLP, not bad stuff either. Slip 2000 is good. I've got some some stuff right now that I'm using, and I've been using it for a while, from, uh, what is it, Seal X, the Navy Seal cat who makes it. He was making gunnies for uh, PWS for a while. It's good stuff. It smells good, too. you got to have good smell and lube. But nothing smells, smells better than that on G96. It's like cologne. Sharpie. I use a big Magnum Sharpie, man. I'm always putting little, if you come to a handgun class and hang out with me, you are going to shoot little dots, little Sharpie dots. That's what most one thing we're going to spend some time doing mm. is shooting little, putting nine millimeter or whatever caliber you brought and shooting little dots, trying to understand what it takes to apply extreme precision. I've got like 20 Magnum Sharpies. I use Sharpies constantly to mark shot holes, to 
you know, make aiming areas, to modify targets for different drills. I would take students who were doing one-on-ones with me and I would show them how to take, how to buy one target at an indoor range and how to turn it into like an all day training session with one single target without having to go pay another $2 for each piece of paper that you go buy. A Sharpie can, can save you money and uh, you can get a lot done with a good Sharpie. I think as if you're even being a student at any class, rifle or pistol, you should have a Sharpie on your body at all times. Just put one in your range bag, student, instructor, anyone, you should have a Sharpie when you're on the line. Yep. It makes it so much easier if you have your own Sharpie. Uh, batteries for ears and lights, whether that's lights on the gun, handheld lights, batteries for your ear protection, whatever. Uh, that is one thing I didn't mention about ear protection. And if you're taking a class or if you're training by yourself on a public range, spending the extra money on some good active hearing protection that are going to allow you to get noise canceling to protect your ears and also be able to hear what's happening around you is a learning thing. It's a safety thing. It is an investment that we should all make if we are people out there training and carrying in firearms. It's not a huge jump. Some of the lower cost ones, the Impact Sports, uh, Howard Light ones, some of those are, uh, they don't protect very well. It's not what I would use in indoor by themselves, but maybe if you had a foamy in and then you turned your volume up and then put your ears on, you'd be okay. Uh, outdoors, they're not too bad, but um, they don't have protect great for as far as decibel level. But there's some other great options out there for some ear pro that, that do protect really well and uh, also have some good good sound so you can hear what's happening around you, hear the instructor without taking your ears off and uh, hear the corrections being made, the coaching that's happening to you and all that good stuff. The big, huge monster earmuffs that that do great as far as protection, but you can't hear anything or are not great in classes, especially if you start moving around, you're you know on the ground, on your back, changing positions. They end up, they, they weigh so much, they end up falling off heads and things like that, that, that now they got to put their ears back on. Maybe somebody next to them shot a couple of rounds while their ears were, were broken free from their, um, their actual ears and uh, create some unsafe situations because now they got to you know use a hand to adjust their ears. Investing in a good set of hearing protection is, uh, is definitely an important thing. Absolutely. And you should be, you should at a minimum have some type of electronic ear pro. And that's just a minimum mandatory requirement, I think. Yeah. Especially if you're taking a class, a notebook. I mean, I think I love more than seeing a student in the class with a notebook out taking notes. You used to see it all the time in the Marine Corps. If I'm standing in front of Marines talking, there's like 90% of them have notebooks out taking notes. It's kind of a lost thing where people go and just they expect to just retain everything in their minds. And it just doesn't work that way. If you take notes, you're writing things down. So you're getting another level. Not only are you hearing it, but now you're regurgitating it in your own mind as you write it down. And you're committing that to a notepad. uh, And you're thinking about as you commit it to the notepad. And then later you would go read those notes and maybe you wrote down really quick notes there on the range, but you go turn those into a more detailed set of notes later on. And you're thinking back and you're, you're recalling that information, your chances of being able to recall and retain the things that you learned in that class are going to be incredibly increased. If you take notes in that class, even if you don't even look at those notes later, you're going to retain more information. I'm sure smart Vark Freeborn has something to add on note taking. You know, when I've come from classes back all the way back to when I began firearms training as a student, I filled up 
I don't, I can't even count how many notebooks I filled up and the range notebooks and the little stuff like writing the rain and things like that, the small three by fives or five by sevens. And I probably have stacks of those things like everywhere, every class I've ever taken. And I can probably recite back reading through them, all of the key points of the class and my thoughts about the class. And in my mind, that was me getting my maximum value for that. Uh, everything that I spent, every bit of time, effort, money, getting to that class, going through that class, giving up my my weekends to be there. Yep. And here I am years later, I can still go back and look at the lessons I learned. You're still getting value out of that. And had you not taken notes, I don't know if you, maybe you retained some value out of that, but you're getting a lot more because of that note taking. So highly encouraged. Definitely some water to stay hydrated. Man, if you don't have high calorie protein snacks and some water in there, you're going to start falling apart. You, you got to get some calories in your body out there, especially if you're in the sun, you're working hard. If you live a lifestyle where you're not used to that, you're going to get drained very, very quickly. So I always encourage people to have water and some high calorie or protein snacks out there. Definitely some targets. You know, I always got to take targets with me. I, I lean heavily on a lot of the IDPA and USPSA style targets. I end up drawing on them and doing a lot of different things on them. I would like to evolve at some point to some three-dimensional targets. If I ever wasn't traveling, if I had like my own local range, being able to do something like that, just a little bit more realistic, a little more realism uh, involved there with some angles that we get at and things like that. Good target choice. If you're doing something for, you know, no shoot stuff with a partner, maybe some, some different shoot, no shoot type targets, whatever you, you're going to do, you know, get the, get the right target for it. One thing that I see happen all the time in classes we always hate it, man. It's the worst, but guns break. Guns go down. I don't care what you are a fanboy of. If you're like Glock is perfection, my Kimber is amazing, never failed me, all 200 rounds I fired through it. I don't, I don't care what gun you're carrying. Something is eventually going to break if you shoot it enough. It's going to happen. I don't want that to happen in the, out there in a training class. So if you have a backup gun, appropriate support gear for it, a holster, whatever else. I'm not a big magazine pouch guy because I don't carry magazine pouches. You know, can still carry most of the time myself. So I, I'm typically in classes, whether I'm teaching or taking the class, I'm reloading from a pocket the way I carry most of the time. But having a good holster to go with that backup gun, if it's not the same gun, is uh, definitely something we need to be thinking about and, and having there. But have a backup gun, especially if you're going to a training class. You see guns go down, Mark? Guns breaking? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's some, some guns that don't break nowhere near as often as the others. Sure. And that's, that's obvious. You start out by trying to pick those guns to have as your primary weapons. I can usually pick when I see guns in the morning. I'm not always accurate, but I'm usually pretty accurate. Okay. We're going to have problems with that gun. We're going to have a, a software with hardware interface problem with that person and that gun. That gun, I will be surprised if it makes it to the end of tomorrow because I've seen them break. I've seen enough of them break that I really wish I would have started when I first started this stuff out here in the uh, the private sector, I guess you will. I wish I would have recorded all the guns that broke, all the problems that happened, all the things that occurred because I, I think it would be some really good information to look at, make for a really, really good article. Yeah. With rifles and handguns. Absolutely. Yeah. When I used to do concealed carry, which is more of an open type of enrollment class where you're getting, it was in a state where it's mandatory to take the class. So you get every type of person everywhere, people that would never come to training class otherwise. And you see the widest range of weapons and brands and, and models in that type of setting. And I can tell you that I had way more stuff break 
in that class than in any of the classes that I run today. It was just, it was all the time something was going down or breaking. I bet. Well, it's a good thing you had that big toolbox with you, right? Absolutely. I think that's why I carry one. Well, that's another thing too. You know, if you, if you have a gun that takes a little bit extra tuning, a little bit extra work, you know, having some spare parts for it isn't a bad idea. You know, I, we could talk about optics falling off. There are optics that, that don't stay on guns as well. There's guns that don't hold optics on as well. There's guns that beat optics up more than other guns. There's a lot of information out there, a, a lot of things. There's, there's lights that come off guns. There's accessories that come off guns. People end up after drills sometimes where they have a yard cell next to them. They got magazines everywhere. They've got a foregrip laying on the ground. They've got a light hanging off a rifle. It's only being hang- held on by like the pressure switch that's attached. There's always something breaking and falling off or something, but that's a good learning experience for sure. Last thing, save the best for last. You don't want lead particle poison. One of the first things that happens when you get lead particle poisoning is potentially erectile dysfunction. And nobody wants erectile dysfunction. Mark, do you want erectile dysfunction? Absolutely not. You do not want it, right? So if you don't want erectile dysfunction, make sure, and maybe that doesn't apply to you because you're you're female, that's okay. They're still bad for you too. Having some D-lead wipes that you can wipe your hands down and offer to your friends around you to use so they don't get erectile dysfunction. That way you can... You can eat your food or whatever it is for lunch and not get taking all this lead, you know, because you're out there shooting the range. You do need to be concerned about lead. They tell me on the news that if I wear a nylon mask, it stops like all particulates from coming in and going out. So maybe I'll just put on like a, a nylon face mask. Maybe get one of those little thin nylon things with a skull on it or something You know, people are wearing that keep you out of it. Anything helps, but I, I don't go out there and shoot with an N95 mask myself. But I, I do try to keep the lead off of my hands and off of my body and away from my kids when I get home. So definitely something to consider and add to the range bag. What did we miss in the in the range bag that you have that, that I don't have on my list, for? I think we hit pretty much everything. I mean, we hit snacks, we hit hydration, we hit, you know, clothing and weather and medical and absolutely. Leave it to you. Yeah. The first thing you think about is snacks. That's totally a Varg Freeborn thing right there. It's, yeah, I got to have my cliff bars and stuff. It, I've got some that have probably been in my range bag forever and I'll still eat them. But you got to have all this stuff that we talked about today is, you know, th- there's a place for it in your bag and, and in your kit. And if you got to take multiple bags, then take multiple bags. You know, you want to have all your stuff. But it's amazing that as you're going through, I did a lot of listening today and not as much talking, which is fine because I let you get a chance to get out there and tell everybody what you got in your bag. And then I sit back and say, you know what? I got the same stuff in my bag. Like it's it's almost identical. And I bet if you pulled Every instructor that's out there doing this for a living, we'd all pretty much have yeah. almost the same stuff in our bag. Maybe different brands, maybe different different preferences, but kind of the same general things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's, after you get out there for a while and you're doing this repeatedly, you figure out the best, most efficient ways to do things, what works the best, what doesn't work, what products you like. You figure all this stuff out. Like I stopped using all the cheap staplers. And now it's DeWalt or nothing. Oh, that's the biggest thing, man. I can't, you know, I don't know how many staplers I have. First gun to go down on the range every day. Yeah, I've whipped across the range and smashed against things. If it stops working, and I and I used to struggle with those cheap staplers too, and I would just get, I'd be like, oh, really, right now? And so, yeah, it's mandatory. You got to buy a good stapler because those cheap ones, they just don't work. Well, if you're out there packing a range bag, trying to figure out what you need for those magazines, go get them a gun mag warehouse. There's a few other things that we mentioned here that are probably available at Gun Mag Warehouse or will be available soon. We're adding a lot of new stuff here 
to the uh, Gun Mag Warehouse, the e-commerce store out there. Again, this this is we got one more podcast of Gunfighter Cast, and then I might cry on that episode for the rebrand because it's been Gunfighter Cast since like 2008. Now changing to the Mag Life again. There's going to be a graphic change. Don't be surprised. It's still us. We still love you. Nothing different. As always, we we're always looking for a different show ideas, something that you care about that, you know, maybe Varg and I haven't thought about in a while. Maybe it's something that we should be thinking about. Maybe something that a lot of folks should be thinking about, but love ideas. You can reach me at dshaw at gunmagwarehouse.com with any questions, ideas, anything like that. I uh, love to get a, a variety of questions in to just cover a, a lot of different questions from a lot of different listeners out there. I know you're listening because I see all the downloads. We're getting a lot of folks tuned in, checking out the podcast. So I really appreciate that. If you get something out of Gunfighter Cast and you you learn something from Varg and I talking about whatever it is we're talking about, you know, share it with your friends. We, we don't really do anything else to promote it other than shooting out in an email blast. To introduce it to your friends, help them become a little bit more well-regulated. Another good ambassador out there for the Second Amendment, being safe, doing things well. The whole reason this, this show exists to help people, you know, live a safer life and understand what, what they're doing and make good decisions and learn. And we can all learn together. I'm still learning. Vark's still learning. Learn new stuff every day. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, that last episode of Gunfighter Cast. Gunfighter Cast out.